Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club, where three old heads put their old heads together to vibe on some of the most memorable or forgettable hip hop themed movies of all time. And here's HHMC with your HHMCs, Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Welcome to season three, episode three, Above the Rim. Written by Barry Michael Cooper and Jeff Pollock, directed by Jeff Pollock, and produced by Pollock and Benny Medina. Released in 1994 and featuring Dwayne Martin, Leon, Tupac Shakur, Bernie Mac, Marlon Wayans, and Tonya Pinkins. We'll answer the question, how high above the rim does this film actually reach? Above the Rim is a coming-of-age story for Kyle, a star high school point guard who deals with some tricky family dynamics as he's trying to land a scholarship from Georgetown University. Along the way, he's tempted by the local kingpin, Birdie, and his thuggish lifestyle. The movie culminates in a dramatic basketball tournament. Boogie, what are your first takes on Above the Rim? All right, when this movie originally came out, it was it was a big thing. I loved it back then. I think it still holds its weight right now, but I haven't seen it in years. But I'm such a fan of basketball, and I just love to watch the sport. So I'll watch pretty much anything basketball-related. But I do love the story and the dynamics between the main characters. I mean, Kyle definitely has what it takes to make it to the next level. But as usual, in these type of environments, the streets are calling out for him. Um, we come across the character of Shep. He had what it took, but the traumatic death of his teammate changed the course of his life and he's trying to I guess go on a course of redemption but he's kind of shying away from it because he doesn't want anything to do with it because he doesn't want to feel responsible for anyone else's failure or any other more tragedies in his life and then we look at the character Birdie who's uh, Shep's younger brother and he's so entangled in the street life that you know he doesn't see any kind of way out I think all three of these scenarios are, are believable and, and relatable for anyone that's coming out of the inner city any inner city so i think that it's, it's very believable that you know you can come across these type of scenarios but i do think that there's something about the story that i really did like about it though and i and i like the fact that through it all shep was able to come to terms with uh what happened to his 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 friend his friend and his teammate when he was younger and he was able to pay it forward and, and do the right thing and kind of give kyle that guidance and you see you know at the end of the movie that he actually does make it on, but he did provide that redemption that he needed. Yeah, I I liked a lot of the character development. You got to really know other backstory. You have Kyle, who's the one of the main protagonists, really. This, as I said, the star point guard, but he's kind of selfish on the court. Uh, he's hot tempered. Uh, you can get inside his head; he gets riled up, and then he has he has this Dane looking out for his mother who starts dating, you know, Tom Shepard. And he realizes Shepard is, you know, brothers with Birdie, who has a checkered past. You know, as you said, Tom Shepard has some skeletons in his closet as well. Now to get into Tom Shepard, you know, he's haunted by his past. He was a former high school star, but he was implicated in the death of his teammate and friend Nutso. So most of the movie, he's brooding, you know, and it's nice to see that, he, he gets to somewhat 
exercise his past because he was a star. He had that major setback with the death of his friend. And then you see Bertie Tupac was just an amazing job acting. I really disliked the person he stood for in the movie because he was such a thug living in the underworld, brutalizing uh, the, the guy Flip, played by Bernie Mac. I'm living on the street just for no reason other than to make himself feel superior. He tries to monopolize the, the basketball tournament, trying to almost bribe Kyle to play for him illegally. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. Like the characters, there was a lot to it. And uh, you, you see how it all kind of crystallizes at the end. What are your takes, Steiner, right? Well, I think the the best part of this movie was was Tupac for sure. Yeah, one of the most talented rappers of all time. Also, happens to be a great actor. It's like not fair. <laughs> He's quite an entertainer. Uh, he was just so charming and ruthless. To have this combination in one person in one world in one role, it was just yeah. great. I think it really carried the movie, even though there were some parts that I didn't really like from a film standpoint, but. The situation that he places Kyle in was really a, you know, it's it's hard to decide what to do. Like, what what side do you pick? And you can really feel that in the characters. And Kyle's at a crossroads, and he's trying to juggle getting the scholarship and looking out for his mother, whether or not she actually wants him to look out for her. All that put together really made for the, the real heart of the movie for me. Right. It was pretty yeah. max fun, even though he was like a, a he was a tragic figure. He just makes me laugh every time I see him. Yeah. I miss Bernie Mac a lot. Yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. And, and Kyle's friend uh of Boog, uh played by Marlon Wayans, always good for some comic relief, even though he also had a checkered past. He had come out of prison um but he was just his dialogue was funny he wasn't the greatest player but he he thought he was great yeah book book was like he was he was weak-minded he was always trying to fit in i mean he seemed like he was like he was a genuine friend of kyle like he really cared about kyle you could tell because you know everywhere kyle went he wanted to be there he wanted to help out he wanted to be around kyle whenever he could be but he was he was so weak in that he was trying to emulate the lifestyle that Birdie had, and he he didn't have that charisma that Birdie had or that you know that toughness or anything like that. You know he was a tragic figure, but you know hopefully you know we don't get to see what happened to him other than he he, he got rid of Birdie, but we don't see what goes on pat with him past that point. We would want to root for somebody like that because you could see the good in him, but. You know, it was just so intertwined and he couldn't find a way to get out. He had to fix himself in order to get out of it. <laughs> you make a good point about kind of being weak minded. And like you said, Dinah Wright, how charming but evil Bertie was. And now you can see how people can stay in abusive relationships, whether whether it's um, a loving relationship or, or whatever, you know, between two partners or just friends. It's like. Why do people continue to hang out with people that are no good for them? It's because they have this special kind of charm. You look up to them because it's, they're slick. <laughs> they get their way. You can see they're successful in their own way where Bertie is making money. Uh, he's respected by a lot of people. And that's what people aspire to be. But it's 
all obviously going at it the wrong way, you know, right. being abusive and doing illegal things, dealing drugs and, uh, you know, being violent and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, you even look at, you know, the character Mo. I'm trying to remember you know, what name he went by in this movie, but I know him as Wood Harris. But um, Mo Motaw, I think it was. Yeah, Motaw. Yeah, Motaw. Yeah. That was his. That was you know Birdie's main foot soldier, and he was you know he was much you know bigger in stature than Birdie. <laughs> you know, could easily probably get rid of him with you know easily with no problem. But follow Birdie's every word, every beck and call, whatever Birdie wanted. Mo was there to, to you know Motaw was there to do it. And, you know, that's that that's that same, you know, thing it goes back to that, you know, charisma that Birdie had. I mean, he, and the influence that he had on, you know, people that like like Motor that was much larger than him that followed him and did whatever he wanted, <laughs> even down to the end after the tournament was over. <laughs> yeah, I think Dwayne Martin did a really nice job as Kyle. He was really believable, like you said, as the, the cocky point guard. He, yeah. was, he was selfish, but he thought that was the only way he needed he needed to do that to get his scholarship. Uh, he needed to kind of put on a show and he got disobeyed his coach. And I felt bad for the coach. The coach was kind of looking out for his best interests. He was saying that the recruiter there wants to see you be a good teammate. And uh, I, I felt for the coach a little bit when, when Kyle talked back to him in his office You know, he showed up late, he said, you got to be there early, showed up late. And then he, he was torn between, playing in that tournament for birdie or play for a coach. And then he just lost his cool again and said, that's it. By the way, I'm not playing for you uh, in the tournament. Right. But as we know, that eventually changes, which, which was good to see. Yeah. That, that coach definitely had his best interest at heart. And it was, it was tough to watch him talk back to that coach like that. You know, <laughs> you know, anybody that's played in a team sport with a tough coach, you know, <laughs> it's tough to watch that. You know, my coach, when I ran track, my coach would not tolerate that at all. <laughs> he might have yoked one of us up or something. <laughs> but, yeah, he gave that coach a hard time. Even, like, you could tell the conversation that, you know, the coach was having with, with, with Shep when he was trying to get him, convince him to come on his coaching staff. And he's like, you know, I can't relate to these kids anymore. Or they, you know, I can't. I can't reach them away. Someone like you probably could. You know, he can. he can see that. It was it was it was a stressful situation and that he, it was getting tougher for him. Yeah, it seemed like the coach was somewhat of an institution at this high school. He had he had Coach Shepard and and I guess Flip as well, and he had a lot of success. But right, these younger kids were a little bit more disrespectful, and he couldn't relate quite as well. So, but again, he's looking out. He's trying to even take care of Shepard, who play well for him. And he wanted to hook him up with a job. You know, uh, Shepard had just come into town just to to bury his mother. He was only going to be there for a short stint. Meanwhile, Coach was trying to angle for him to succeed him as the, as the high school basketball coach. Shepard really didn't want anything to really do with it. But I think as he kind of sees Kyle and in need of a, of, a, of a father figure and someone to get him on the right track – and also, you know, him falling for uh, Kyle's mother, you know, it's, the time was right for him to kind of step in. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk about Kyle's mother for a second, just to, you know, just touch on and give her, give her her flowers. But Malika Watson, Kyle's mother, was played by Tonya Pinkins, who actually 
was one of the co-stars of our very first episode, the movie that we showcased in our very first episode, Beach Street. You know, she was Angela. Uh, she was the character of Angela in that movie. So, you know, it's good to see and kind of come, you know, full circle from from being a, a youngster in our first movie to actually playing the mother in, in one of our later episodes. So that that's a good shout out to her on that. Yeah, it's nice to see when we see repeat uh, actors and actresses and how they evolve. And now, now she's the mother. Hey, that's pretty cool. Only three years older than Dwayne Martin, though. But... Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, man, man. She's going to have a kid. Oh, because she had a middle. She was only three years old. Great acting by yeah. Dinkins. Yeah, she's got some chops. <laughs> you want some of the other characters, you know, are widely known for a lot of other roles as well. I mean, Dwayne Martin, well, he was married to Tisha Campbell for many years. Yeah. I think they, they got divorced a few years back. And he had a very short stint with the New York Knicks. What I read, and Leon, who's one of the sexiest men alive, <laughs> yeah, he was a central figure in Madonna's "Like a Prayer" video. Yeah, if you recall, that's right. Yeah, yeah, starting with five heartbeats as well. Five heartbeats. Yeah, he was in "Waiting to Exhale." Yeah, exhale. Temptations yeah. miniseries. Played David yeah. Ruffin. Yep. Yep. And David Bailey, who played the high school coach we we're talking about, played Dr. Russ Matthews on Another World for many years. He was a soap opera star. Long time soap uh, opera actor. Yeah. I caught a familiar face in the movie, in this movie as well. Um, Henry Simmons, he played one of the big men. He was actually the guy that got into it with Kyle in the in the beginning after the first game where Kyle blew that 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 jumper. But he 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 was one of the guys from Agents of Shield. He played Mac from Agents of Shield. I was like, oh okay, that's Mac, it's young Mac. <laughs> I don't even think I've ever noticed <laughs> noticed that, that that was him in the movie until you know I ever went to rewatch it this time, and I didn't even put the connection to. It. I'm like, oh wow, played one of my favorite characters of that show. <laughs> Had a geek moment for a second. <laughs> and we should mention that Kyle's character was loosely based on Alan Iverson, who wound up playing at Georgetown like Kyle did, and had a similar yeah. kind of brushed with the law kind of backstory. Uh, so that was good fodder for this movie. Yeah. There was another little cameo, I would say, as well, that I that picked up on. The guy that played Montrose was the rival high school, was Eric Nice. Remember he had a moment nice. in the early 90s that was it on Real World. He was from like Ocean, New Jersey. He was an MTV uh, personality for a little while. Yes, and he was in a few things. Yeah, he was a local bitch for, for some of us here. And I remember that. And I read that Alan Payne, who played Euripides or Dead Mike from CB4, was supposed to play Kyle, but for some reason did not take wow. the role. Yeah. Another tie to another hip-hop movie for us. Yeah. That might have been a scheduling conflict, because right. I know he was doing a few movies around that time. Wow. Interesting. I didn't know that one. Yeah, so it's a tragic story, as you, you can tell from the end. But what I liked which was cracking up. And this is like legendary. It was Tom Shepard schooling the fools in his like long johns and corduroys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes. what happens in the, in the tournament, obviously it comes down to uh, Kyle's team with his like high school classmates because he, he backed out of playing with Bernie's team. He had committed to because of the way that they treated Boog. They totally dissed him and kicked him out of their 
their meeting and he, he didn't want to be affiliated with them. So he, he last minute, he's like, coach, can I join your team? So he's playing with his team against the Birdmen, you know, Birdie's thuggish team and injuries surmount because Birdmen are just playing thuggish basketball worse than the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> just, just blatantly like elbowing, punching, which was something I, I was like, how could the, these officials like allow all, that all to happen? You know, that, that was one of the things I kind of disliked or question. I was like, I, I know it's a street game and you can be somewhat physical, but they're literally like flipping these guys in the air and, and like punching them in the mouth. <laughs> Bully ball. Yeah. But yeah. smartly, the high school coach had registered Shepard, Tom Shepard, on his roster. He told him that early on. Yeah, he did, yeah. So when they were down, there. Yeah, yeah. So when the backup point guard Bobby and was injured, you know they were down to four guys. Kyle actually comes back from an injury, but then they 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 were like, "What's going to happen now? I'm going to forfeit." And then Tom Shepard's like, "Put me in." <laughs> and meanwhile, he's got his corduroys and long johns on, and he looks like a you know a longshore fisherman. And uh, he takes him to school, and he's hitting, he's draining three after three after three, and. And Duncan and and uh, I think that's like a legendary scene where people always joke about that to this day that you know, he beat them you know, with that type of a tie run. This was my biggest problem with the movie. One mm-hmm. of the, one of my big problems with the movie is that somehow they were very physical with Kyle and Bobby and the other players, but when Shep goes on the court, who's like I don't know, twenty years older than everyone or significantly older than everyone, suddenly they can't foul him like they fouled everyone else. I was like, what? What happened to defense? Uh, it just seemed so contrived that he was getting so open and he wasn't, he, he was losing all these players. It didn't seem that like realistic. Uh, I mean, that Shep is a good, great player, but what? now you, you decide not to play defense. That's, it, seemed, it seemed fixed, but now it made it worse. <laughs> His skill was next level. <laughs> it really was because. Oh, Steph Curry out here just getting any shot he wanted. <laughs> I mean, they tore him up and they tore him up for a little while, but then he just started breaking out. They did, no, and then they they bloodied him, and 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 somehow like did they stop after that? Like you think that they would just keep doing that, but they didn't. And him coming in at the end of the game, people have complained about how contrived it is, and I'm one of those people. Like, oh, of course he's going to come in and save the day. <laughs> it was a little predictable, but. He actually, when Tom Shepard came in, he wasn't backing down at all. He provided a little bit of toughness to that team because, you see, he was pushing. He was pushing back. Yeah, he was pushing back. He was shoving. Yeah. He actually, I think he even hit one of the guys in the groin, too. Yeah, so it's like, it oh, did. wait a second. Wait a second. He did. We're getting bullied back. Sometimes you have to, to fight back for yourself. And, you know, all right, this is gonna, you're going to play by these rules? I'm going to play by these rules, too. It's a man's game. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The, co- the coach ends up stealing stealing Birdie's, Birdie's line, saying, "Oh, it's a man's game, right?" And good non call. Good non call. Good non call, ref. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, he 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 turned the words on him. So yeah, I understand what you're saying, Donna. Right? It was contrived, well, not, but maybe it was that respect. It was kind of like Kevin Durant's coming on the court or something. <laughs> hold, hold up, hold up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's worse. And he's being physical, too. Yeah. You know, you get punched in the mouth, you know, you punch a guy right back in the mouth. (laughs) Yeah.
I love the film, just like Boogie. I love all sports. I love basketball as well. So I was just mesmerized by the highlights. Some of some of the highlights that they were showing was kind of like an and one reel. Yeah, which is awesome. Even the way that and one mixtape out here. Yeah, and one and one mixtape. Even the way that Kyle kind of punks flip and throws the ball against them and stuff like that. I mean, it's fun to watch. But there were some things I also kind of disliked. Again, you know, the officiating was kind of ridiculous. You can't be be that blatant with stuff. And it was odd to me that when you know Shepard goes back at one point. I mean, Kyle goes looking for Flip at one point and, and Shepard tells him, oh, he's dead. And then the next minute he's like, let's play one-on-one. It was just kind of a weird sequence where he's like, oh, by the way, we never played one-on-one. Let's play one-on-one. He was looking for him. He was concerned about him. He's like, oh, yeah, he's gone. He's dead. Let's play one-on-one right now. <laughs> I was like, that was kind of weird to me. Yeah, it gave him a little unnecessary tough love at the weirdest time. <laughs> yeah. Shep's character, it seemed kind of erratic, like he was real quiet, but then he'd say something. And I don't know, I, I felt like I couldn't quite get a handle on what Shep was doing. But um, my big complaint was the very beginning why, why was there a hoop next to the second story window? Like, whose idea was that? That didn't seem like a great idea. And the, the whole, I was trying to think of the physics of, jumping and touching the top of the backboard or, or high as, as backboard as you can jump. And when you do that, you're, you're, the physics of it, like you come straight down, you don't like jump to, to go forward more. If you're trying to reach high as you can, your momentum would bring you back down, not keep going. Like you, when you look at like in a combine where they try to touch the, those measuring sticks at the top, you're not running to get like a, like a parabola you're just running the jump up and down and i thought this is really contrived to 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 get this character to die to, to get the movie started i thought you really have to do all of this why are you playing at a, on a hoop that's that's that close to a window which disappears when he falls through the wall disappears so i, I felt that was a little lacking yeah that was definitely one of the goofs that I noticed from that scene was you see um, jumping towards the basketball backboard with the window there. And then as he's falling off the roof, there's no window, no wall, nothing. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen rooftop um, basketball hoops, like, but I've never played on them. I've, I've seen them and, you know, but I, I, yeah, I would got chain link fence behind them that right will catch you. Like right, there's <laughs> like a fence or something right up there. There's just no open, you know, you miss and you fall. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that. I mean, I don't know. Is that something people do at basketball courts? Is to see how high they can touch on the backboard? Yeah, okay, I used to do that. <laughs> I feel like I've tried to do that and I wouldn't reach the backboard anyway, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I don't know. The, to, the act of jumping up doesn't seem like you would be running through to the, to the end nah. over the baseline. Like, where are you going? Yeah. I never went forward. I like, I did like you did. I went up and came back down. <laughs> what do I know? I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, it was so unbelievable that I 
we were talking before we recorded, I thought it was maybe a metaphor for the, you know, someone had died while he was playing. I thought maybe it was a shooting or something, but yeah, no, that's what happened. He broke through the backboard and fell off. And I guess he was implicated in, in the crime. Uh, Shepard was. So that was a setback. And then the, the headlines in the paper were, what was it? Um, fatal flaw, something like that. Yeah. So, it was a fatal flaw. Yeah. That's something talent, fatal flaw, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't like, obviously there's thug life and, and, and violence, you know, it was just like the violence against flip played by Bernie Mac was kind of uncalled for even Kyle tackling him, beating him up on him after being one-on-one and then Bernie and the crew slashing him. And I mean, it, it's just something, it's just being mean spirited in the, the thug life of just trying to make yourself feel superior to someone else. So that was, it was tough to watch, but it's thug life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of, you know, putting, putting people down to make yourself feel better. Yeah. So there's tragic ending there because as uh shepherd rescues the, you know, he's the hero of the basketball game and he's got that, they were down by a, one one point, you know, he has the last minute steal and alley oop to Kyle, right? Uh, which was yeah. which was fun, but then the gun the guns ring out. Yeah. Motal tries to shoot Kyle. Shepard jumps in the way. I thought that Shepard had died because they're carrying him out like on a stretcher. Luckily for him and family, he he survived. And then you know you see they fast forward. They see you see. Um, Kyle playing for Georgetown against Seton Hall in the conference championship game. And Kyle makes the winning shot. And he quotes Shepard with, you know, spread out your fingers for the jump shot and stuff like that, which was kind of cool. Well, I thought it was weird, though. (laughs) The announcing on that Georgetown game was very lame for that game-winning shot. Yeah. It was just like, and they win another win by Georgetown. This is the conference championship. He wins a buzzer beater. And they're like, Look at the way he got into space. He, the spacing on that play was just great. I'm like, what? what are, they they what? wasted Bill Raftery on this. Yeah, they wasted <laughs> it. I'm like, come on. That was anticlimactic. Yeah. But then it was nice to see that. And then they, they show um, Mrs. Watson was there. And then uh, then they show Shepard. They're like, oh, all right. He's all right. All right. But again, I'm like thinking, why weren't they at the game either? They're watching in a bar. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, why were they not at the game? <laughs> yeah. There's no way the, I wouldn't have been at that game. Because you'd think that's the Big East Championship that would have been at Madison Square Garden. It would have been right there. What was it? I don't know if I get oh, my maybe maybe the in the in the story it, it's actually in the Georgetown area. I, have to, okay, I think okay, it said yeah. as Land, Landover, Maryland. Oh, right, right. You're right. It was at US Air Arena, right? So back yeah, then yeah. it was US Air Arena. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely the Big East tournament, though. Yeah. Yeah. I would think they'd be hopefully being able to get down or the family, you know, like the school would would make some accommodations for them to a bus or, down or they or just drive down or, or yeah, maybe yeah. maybe Shep can't take that drive. <laughs> he just been shot. Yeah, but I yeah. don't know how badly he was. Yeah. yeah. You think they they'd make it to the it's only the Big East championship. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what's really, really, really funny about that scene though? It's like that was the Big East tournament championship game. And the the movie was was made in 1993. In the actual 1993 Big East tournament, Seton Hall won the championship by beating Georgetown in the quarterfinals. 
It's all about Providence and the semis, and then finally Syracuse in the championship game, but it was flipped. Okay. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Interesting. Is Holloway on that team? That that's before yeah. him. That was the first time, wasn't it? No, Holloway was, was in the early nineties. That could have been. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was on that. yeah. He was on that team. Okay. <laughs> was whenever I think Seton Hall, I think of that Final Four team, but that was like 88-89 with Terry. They lost to Michigan. Yeah. Terry DeHair, Jerry Walker. And, and those guys, and they lost. I remember Rumiel Robinson from Michigan hit those free throws like at the end. And that was a questionable call because I was pulling for Seton Hall. Another thing I didn't really like was Birdie. Was, well, Birdie obviously is a head case, you know, and yeah. thuggish, but he was snapping at his brother at their mother's gravesite, you know, asking to join him in his underworld, you know. And uh, I mean, that was kind of disrespectful to their mother. Yeah, Birdie's a lost case, a lost cause, man. Yeah, <laughs> he really was. It's like he was it's about like, that life. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know when people live that life, they they unfortunately end up either dead or in jail. You know, tragic. Yeah, it's a cautionary tale. Yeah, and and, and in this case, you know, Birdie Birdie did end up dead. <laughs> Bug Bug paid his respects to Birdie and. Took him out in his club. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I thought, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Book got his. Woof. Yeah. And that 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 there, there could have been layers to, to that situation too, because you know, Book was was constantly disrespected. And even when Birdie, the way Birdie handled it, he told everyone to not even talk to him. He was like excommunicado. And then what happened at the game, you know, Birdie ordered a hit, basically ordered a hit on Kyle at the game. And Bug is Kyle's best friend. I could have easily pushed him over the edge. He figured he'd been in jail before. He has nothing to lose. You know, he's, he's like, I've been there before. I'm not afraid to go back. This guy tried to kill my best friend. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we're chatting. It's a shame, you know, how art imitates life and – uh Tupac was gunned down just a couple of years after this film, you know, age 24, I think he was. Yeah. So, yeah, this was, was, yeah. This was his final film that was released during his lifetime. Yep. Yep. That's tough to see that last scene when, you know, knowing what we know now, how right. he was killed violently and, you know, seeing him getting shot to death in this film at the very end, that's difficult to watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I'm overall, I, Enjoyed watching the film. The character development was good, like I said before. Let's talk about the music. I mean, the music was outstanding, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. A double platinum soundtrack. Not many, yeah. not many movies can I say that. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 streets were definitely alive with this soundtrack when this when it came out. I remember, like, I remember it. Like, couldn't go anywhere without hearing songs off of the soundtrack playing. You know. It's crazy because above the rim takes place in New York. It's clearly Harlem. You see the 125th Street and Apollo in the background outside of the movie theater. You know the basketball court by the, the Harlem River Drive. And you're looking at it like, wow, this is definitely New York. But the soundtrack was was Death Row Records produced. It's like, wow. And they came hitting hard with, with a very good soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. An opening song by Tupac set... Set the tone. Yeah, a few songs by Tupac, "The Dog Pound," 
Albie Shores on there. Played Regulate by Nate Dogg and Warren G at the very end. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Some Lady of Rage. You know, my favorite song was that SWV Anything remix with the Wu-Tang Clan on it. Oh, my God. I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I hear that song, it just takes me back to my youth. And I, I, oh, man, it's such a fun song. They took because the, the regular song anything it's a slow song, but for the remix for the soundtrack they f- completely flipped it and sped it up, and made it an up tempo dance song like club worthy, backyard worthy, you know cookout worthy. It's like remix. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was a great remix. They completely flipped it. <laughs> we should talk about whether we made today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I think it could be. What do you guys think? Oh yeah, easily, easily. Yeah, easily. I, I think mean, the themes, of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the themes of basketball scholarships and getting out of the hood, and uh, th- those are ripe for for stories. Yeah, I think the one hard thing would be to recast Birdie. I think I can't. I was trying to think of who's the current day Tupac Shakur. I really can't think of one. No, there isn't one. Hey, there, yeah, there, I can't think of a rapper who has this kind of acting chops, and nah, they'd have I'm to struggling. Be an actor, <laughs> you know, uh, a different actor. It would have to be, you know, none of the rappers that are actors that I can think of right now have this kind of charisma and this kind of oh no kind of cinematic presence. I mean, LL Cool J is a fun actor when he's on, he's doing NCIS and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's different. Tupac, it's different, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The themes are still relevant. There's a lot of shadiness that goes on in these AAU leagues and they're trying to recruit kids. They try to give them a taste of some money illegally and that lifestyle. And a lot of kids are torn with following some shady dealings or staying on the straight and narrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It happens all the time. Yeah. It's like a street endorsement deal. Yeah, you play for me. I make a little money off you. I put a little money in your pocket. It's a mm-hmm. win-win, quote in quotes, win-win situation. But it's highly illegal. <laughs> yeah, but there's no winning if you get caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That really made Tupac's kind of role in this really thought-provoking because he's so nice and he gave you he gave you all the stuff. And uh oh, there are no free lunches. Like there were a lot of strings attached. And oh yeah. He was able to hold this over Kyle if he ever said anything that he could get a scholarship pulled because of this. Yeah. Shout out to Kyle for having the mindset to return everything. Mm-hmm. Like he, everything, he just can't have a back with everything. That, that was smart. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to be different these days with, again, cell phones recording everything. This was before yeah. cell phones had cameras and stuff. Like, yeah. how would you prove? I was thinking, how would they prove? If Birdie would have said, hey, I gave him money, whatever, like, how do you prove it? I gave it back to you. It's like his word versus his word, if it ever came down to it. Right. Yeah. You know, Birdie could call the uh, scout from Georgetown or, or John Thompson back at the time, tell him, and then Kyle could deny it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no paper trail, really, or yeah. evidence. It doesn't show up as a public transaction on Venmo. <laughs> 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 I yes. like that. 
Got a, got a Venmo from Birdie. Yeah. <laughs> Venmo's Birdie. Pretty Venmo. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> with, with, like a, with like a black crow uh, uh, emoji. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and a dollar bill stack with the wings. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. How about that actual bird call that he made at the end of the game? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know where that came from. Was that part of the script or, or, or improvised? <laughs> I mean, oh, that's why they call you Birdie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was reading something that came out like for the either the 20th or 25th anniversary of Above the Rim, and, and they were talking to some of the actors that are still with us. And uh, <laughs> Marlon Wayans did say that he became really friendly with Tupac. Oh, I think I read the same thing. Did you read that one? In, Tupac in, in, was in Anscape. He was what jumping out of the jeep and stuff. Yeah, yeah. not having yeah. any doors on the Range Rover. Yes, the doors, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And then, yeah, um, yeah we'll link this he, in the show notes. This is uh, he smoked. He smoked so much. <laughs> he was smoking <laughs> so much weed at the time that you know, Marlon Williams was getting a contact high, and Tupac was was re- kind of really into that role, and he he was kind of demanding and, and showing up a little bit late but he said to leon don't worry you're my boy i love i love five heartbeats that's my movie <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We, we won't have any issues you know but there were some times when uh tupac was either late to the set or you know he's not coming out of his <laughs> his trailer or something they're like get his butt out here come on now yeah he didn't quite yeah, understand some, the, yeah. the implications of his actions yeah for the production <laughs> exactly yeah he was marching to his own beat it's fun to go back and see some of the, the how, how they recounted the filming and whatnot. Let's go around and give our our typical ratings. So, Dinah, right? Why do you? Why don't you start? I know you had some issues. Does that mean you were gonna bring that funky flick back? Bring that funky flick back? Or leave it in the vault. Well, I think Tupac saves this movie from being left in the vault. So I'm bringing that funky flick back. <laughs> Boogie, how about you? Uh, dope soundtrack, you know, basketball. Uh, bring that funky flick back. <laughs> yeah, for the same reasons as you, Boogie, bring that funky flick back. Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Special thanks as always to Susan, Tawanda, and Alice. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs will review Brown Sugar. It drops in two weeks, so subscribe today in your favorite podcast app and you won't miss it. Shout out to your listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't hate, meditate.